This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. Pass the middle and front shot score! There it is! The game-winning goal! Oh, I'm really excited about the Knicks. Um, you know, it's been a very up and down year, but they but more up and down. You know, I'm I'm a little biased here, but I'm gonna go with the Rangers over the Islanders in the first okay. game of their series. And here's your host, David Marr. Episode 24 of the Marvel Sports Podcast. Alongside Gator Mar, I'm Andrew Spazano. And man, it has been a grind these last few weeks for both me and David up here at school. We've just been bombarded with work. Obviously, it's the home stretch of the semester. We're finally coming to the end, though. Just two more weeks left. David, how, how's the end of the semester going for you? I, it has, it's been a grind. It's, uh, uh, Man, you know, I, I was going to do my Pirates accent, and now I, I completely, you know, it's now a wash because uh, the Pirates opener is this Saturday. But, yeah, it's been a grind, too. Um, that uh, entire thing in my head for the last, like, few days, and I couldn't tell a really good one. So, oh, well. Yeah, oh, no worries. Um, So, one thing that has been nice, though, is we've been that we've been able to keep our mind off of work is we've got – Three sports in action. We got MLB action. We got NHL, got the NBA. So we're going to start today by talking about the MLB. And I'm going to start by talking about my team, the New York Yankees. And, yeah, last night they had a nice win, 3-1. to one. Jamison Tyone, who's one of their new pitching acquisitions, he looked really good. Went five innings, just four hits in a run with five strikeouts. And the relievers didn't allow one run to a really solid Atlanta Braves lineup. But I am really concerned with the way that they've looked offensively. I mean, yeah, Gio Urshela had a home run and a double yesterday. He's been hot recently. And Aaron Judge, I think, had a hit as well. He's hitting around a 300. And DJ LeMahieu had two hits as well. He actually got his Silver Slugger Award last night, which was cool. But they have really looked inconsistent offensively. Um, John Carlos Stanton, is hit, he's hitting in the 100s. You know, he's looked terrible. Um, Aaron Hicks has really had a rough year offensively and defensively. You know, me and David watched the game on Sunday. He misplayed two fly balls. He booted a ground ball to center field where he could have actually had a shot at throwing a runner out at home. Um, Gary Sanchez is coming down to earth. Glaber Torres has looked awful offensively and defensively. You know, I'm really I'm concerned about the Yankees, man. Um, you know, they've had such high expectations going into the year. And I think they really need to pick it up. What are your thoughts, David? Well, I brought this up when I uh, came up to uh, to York on Sunday. I think it's the fact that the Yankees, I think it's taken them a while for them to gel offensively because that's the first time they've been healthy in a long time. You know, you, you never expect your offense to get up to speed that quickly. But I also think it could be a level of complacency because everybody thinks that they're the favorite in the division. And if you're going to be the favorite, you have to act like the favorite. And they, they haven't been doing that. You know, they've lost, they got swept by Tampa Bay uh, twice, I think. Um, or they actually, they stayed off that uh, they're one in five against Tampa this year. And they really haven't been able to get their offense up to speed. So um, it, it has been a struggle, I think for the Yankees, but you know, you said wait two months before we anoint if they're in trouble. So um, they do get an easy schedule. So the next couple of weeks will tell us if the if the Yankees can get back to that level that we are we should be seeing them at. Yeah, it's a critical stretch of games with their next twelve games coming. One more against Atlanta, then a couple four game sets against Cleveland and Baltimore. Then we're actually going to watch them play the Detroit Tigers at home. So if the Yankees could win ten of those games or nine or 10 of those games, which is very doable. I think that they're going to be in good shape. So let's talk about a team in the division that's been playing very well. And they've been acting, they've been acting like the favorite and that's the Boston Red Sox. Um, David, what are your thoughts on the way they've been playing? They've looked great. I think it's the fact that the Red Sox are always going to be in every game. You know, the, you could, the, the twins had a couple leads on them in Minneapolis and the Red Sox came back to win that game. Um, 
on Monday, the Red Sox got off to a slow start. They found a way to beat Chicago. So they're going to be in every single game. The problem is their starting pitching needs some work. Martin Perez has been inconsistent. Uh, Tanner Houck had an early um, an early uh, release. Um, he left Monday's game early. Um, but the offensively, J.D. Martinez is in 2018 form. Xander Bogarts had a home run in the win against Toronto last night. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck's been terrific. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is back from his uh, COVID-19 bout, pitched a great game last uh, last night. So the Red Sox are going to be in every single game, but they need to find some kind of consistency in their starting pitching for them to be great. I don't think they're going to win the division, but it's a promising start, and if they could just keep building it, um, they're going to be right in the thick of things. Yeah, I definitely could see them as a wild card contender for sure. You know, um, they've played really well so far head-to-head in the division. You know, obviously they had that rough series against Baltimore early on where I think they got swept, but then they haven't looked back since. Um, and I thought Erod, he looked pretty good last night. I think he went six innings, just one run. Um, mm-hmm. And Nathan Evaldi is very solid. I think the Red Sox are in good shape. I think getting Alex Cora back as manager has helped because they have such good flow yeah. with him. I just feel like when he's behind the bench, you know, I yeah, think that was a very underrated move of the off season. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the American league central, one team that I want to talk about is the Minnesota twins. You know, they're sitting at, in last place at six and 10 tied with Detroit. You know, I don't know what's going on with them. Um, they lost two double. They had a double header yesterday against the Oakland A's and they got shut out twice. You know, David, what do you what's going what's going on with the Minnesota Twins? Um, they're dealing with a small COVID outbreak. Uh, Andleton Simmons tested positive a couple days ago, uh, before their last game of the series against the Red Sox, and then they had some more COVID nineteen issues in their series against the Angels. So they're dealing with an outbreak, and I think that their offense has been a little inconsistent, but also their bullpen has been atrocious. I don't think that their bullpen is that good. We saw them cough up some games against the Red Sox that I mentioned. Um, their starting pitching can be good, but I don't think their bullpen is great. The one team I want to talk about in the AL West or AL Central is Kansas City. And I'm starting to think that the Patrick Mahomes effect is taking place in Kansas City because um, they're scoring a ton of runs. Their bull, their uh, starting pitching is holding down the fort. Um, they've got a really solid bullpen. The problem is their defense and we saw the Rays hang two touchdowns on them yesterday. Um, the, the Royals could be the team to beat if they could keep getting consistency in their pitching. But as of right now, I, I like the Royals in this division. And I know Chicago and Cleveland are going to be right there. But the team to watch out for in the AL Central is Kansas City. Oh, I really like the way Kansas City has played. You know, I think Salvador Perez, he's a very underrated player. He had a monster year last year. You know, he had a, that big injury in 2019. Um, on the pitching front, they've got this young kid, Brady Singer, up. He's looked good. They've got some hard throwers in that bullpen. And they've also they picked up Andrew Benintendi. You know, he's done a good job. And Michael A. Taylor has been a sneaky good pickup as well from the Nationals. So I think, yeah, the Royals are definitely a team to watch. And, you know, they're one, they're one of those surprise teams for me. You know, I've been really impressed with the way they've looked. So moving on to the a- AL West, one team that I want to talk about is the Seattle Mariners, you know, I did not see them as the team that would be in first place like three weeks into the season, but they've played really well. Um, They beat the Dodgers the other night and they only lost one, nothing to them yesterday. You know, I really like the way that Mitch Hanniger has looked, you know, he obviously, he missed last year, but he's back. He's looked really good. Um, I like the way that their pitching has looked. You know, Marco Gonzalez has looked really solid. This this guy Kakuchi from Japan, he's been really good. He start he's actually gained some ticks on his fastball velocity, and some of their relievers have looked pretty good. You know, they picked up Kenyon Middleton, Rafael Montero, and yeah, their pitching has looked really solid. And they've gotten good performances out of guys like Mitch Haniger, Kyle Seager. This new kid, Taylor Trammell, I really like the way they've looked. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that they've played some good games against the Dodgers, being able to win, to split a two-game series with uh, L.A., being able to take two out of three from Houston, take three out of four from Baltimore. 
go into Minnesota and take two out of three there, one, winning an extra inning. So I think that they're a dangerous team. But right now, I, I like Oakland. We, we brought up Oakland because of Minnesota, but let's flip the coin over and talk about the A's. They've won 10 straight, and it's been any formula. It can be their high-scoring offense or their really solid pitching staff. You know, I, I think that they are going to be a, a tough team. Frankie Montas had a great, had a couple of great games, uh, pitched a shutout against Detroit a couple of days ago. Um, you know, offensively, they look really solid. Uh, Sean Murphy, Mitch Moreland, the former uh, Red Sox first baseman, has played great. Um, and, you know, this offense is going to score up a ton of runs if they keep playing well. I, I like this. Um, you know, Matt Chapman's having a good season. Jed Lowry. Uh, Steven Piscotty's been great. Um, and it's it's a team that can get held down by its bullpen and their offense can explode at any time. So watch Oakland down the stretch. Yeah, Oakland was a team that had a really rough start. I think they were one and seven. And now you look at the standings, they're 11 and seven. They've won 10 straight games. They've been clicking offensively. Matt Olson had a grand slam yesterday. Sean Manaya had a complete game shutout for on the pitching front. And they got this kid, Lazardo. You know, they lost a couple key pieces in that bullpen, but some guys have stepped in and like Wendelkin, and they've really held their own. You know, I think they're definitely a threat to win that division. So moving on to the National League side of things, one team that I want to talk about in the National League East is the Atlanta Braves. You know, they sit at seven and ten. They had a really tough loss yesterday against the Yankees, where they just couldn't get anything going with the bats. And their bullpen absolutely collapsed in the eighth inning. They gave up the winning run on a wild pitch, then a bases loaded walk to make things worse. You know, one stat that I see that's interesting is they actually lead the division in runs scored, but they also lead the division in runs allowed. Their pitching has been catastrophic to start the year. You know, Charlie Morton looked good yesterday, but the young guys that were so good in the playoffs last year, like Max Freed, and Ian Anderson, they have had brutal starts to the year. And now Max Freed, who's, who was their opening day starter, is actually injured. Yeah, Freed is, Freed is at 11.45 ERA. Ian Anderson, 4.7. Um, and their bullpen, A.J. Minter, who's supposed to be their closer going into the year, has a 5.6 ERA. Their pitching has just been catastrophic. You know, obviously, Ronald Acuna is one of the best players in the game. He just got injured which is a big blow to their lineup. Um, I think they're going to be okay because they still have tremendous talent on that team with guys like Swanson, Ozuna, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies. But I'm a little alarmed to the slow start that they're off to. I'm starting to get NFC East vibes from the NL East. It's probably because every team in this division is has a – four out of the five teams in this division have a losing record. Philadelphia offensively can be good, but defensively, you know – and, and their offense has been on and off. I don't know if the, I can trust Philadelphia. Um, the Mets, they can get some really quality pitching, and then they can't get the bats going like that we saw against the Cubs yesterday. The Marlins have been inconsistent. Atlanta's injured. Washington's probably the biggest shocker because they really should be playing much better. The problem is they're also beat up. So I don't know who the best team in this division is. I guess you could say the Mets because, they again, they probably have the best pitching staff if, they're, if they could just get an offense to go along with it. They're probably the best team in this division, but we could see Jacob DeGrom have monster games and the offense only put up two runs and end up losing the game. So I'm going to lean towards the Mets being the best team in this division, but you're right. I, if, if Atlanta is going to win this division, they got to get healthy and they got to be able to play some fundamental uh, fielding and fundamental pitching. I agree. I think the Mets, you know, they definitely have the best pitching staff in that division. You know, Jacob DeGrom and Marcus Stroman have both gone off to fantastic starts. Edwin Diaz has done a good job closing out games. But offensively, Francisco Lindor, I think he only has five hits this year. You know, he really needs to step up as a leader on that team. You know, they just gave him that $341 million deal. They need him to play like it. And I think he will. You know, he's tremendous. Um, I think he was a huge pickup for them. But it's going to be interesting to see how that division plays out because there's a lot of I think all five teams you can make a case could win that division with the level of talent that they have and how they play head to head. So moving on to the national league central, a team that I want to talk about is the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, they've won 10 games, which is the most out of any team in that division. 
Um, they had a very, they had an impressive six nothing win last night over the San Diego Padres. And man, this their pitching staff, that that front two of Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. You know, Corbin Burns with ten strikeouts yesterday and six shutout innings of, of ball. I think he had fourteen in a game last week and twelve the game before. You know, he's been unbelievable pitching to a .37 ERA, 15 Ks per nine. Woodruff, a 1.96 ERA. And then Freddie Peralta and Brett Anderson also each have sub 2.7 ERAs. You know, their pitching staff has been lights out. And then to go to that bullpen, you got Devin Williams and Josh Hader looming in the eighth and ninth. You know, they have a really underrated pitching staff, I think. You know, they got a lot of big arms in that on that team. And then offensively, you know, Christian Yelich is injured, but once he comes back, I think they'll start to click. You know, Jackie Bradley Jr. has been solid. Keston Hira, Travis Shaw, Visayil Garcia. You know, I think the Brewers are a team to look out for in the Central. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Brewers, when they get Christian Yelich back, are going to be a complete team. I think that getting a big win against San Diego kind of helped that. They put up five runs in the third inning and really never looked back. But you're right, Travis Shaw's having an outstanding season. Um, they added some fielding depth with Jackie Bradley Jr. Now his bat is coming alive. He's been playing great. Um, you know, Daniel Vogelbox played well. Garcia, Lorenzo Kane, who I think is going to be an underrated player this year. He's been terrific. And this pitching staff is one of the best in this division. But don't discount the Cincinnati Reds. If the Reds have played better, Nick Castellanos slowly coming, becoming an MVP candidate the way that he's played. Um, they did suffer a really tough loss. To the yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. But the tough loss of the Indians. But I think the Reds are a are a good team. Their, their pitching is a little up and down, but their bats are absolutely fantastic. Joey Votto, still great. Mike Boustakis, the former Royals, been playing great. Um, Ar- Aristides Aquino has played well. And I, I think their pitch staff will be okay and if they can be okay this offense can put up a ton of a ton of runs on the board and they can be right in the thick of things in the NL Central man I just look at this Reds team imagine if they still had Trevor Bauer like maybe that dangerous. pitching staff would be dominant you know yeah. I mean it still is pretty dominant with Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray leading the charge and then they picked up Sean Doolittle in the bullpen who's done a good job um, and then offensively, obviously, Castellanos is having a great start. Rookie Jonathan India has been solid. And Tyler Naquin has been a really good pickup from Cleveland. You know, he already is – I think he has five – he has six home runs and 16 RBIs. So, yeah, he's really had a hot start. Yeah, the Reds are definitely a team to watch out for. And, yeah, that's another division where all the teams are bunched up within two and a half games. So – but I think the Pirates are going to fall off. You know, I think they're starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they're legit. So moving on to the National League West, the Dodgers sit atop at 14-4. and four. They've looked really good. And that was an exciting series against the Padres this weekend. You know, I think there were two, two occasions of benches clearing incidents. Um, that rivalry is going to be nuts. The Dodgers took two out of three. But a team that I want to talk about outside of those two are the San Francisco Giants. You know, they're 11 and 6. They had a really nice win last night over the Philadelphia Phillies where they came back from a deficit. They ended up winning 10 to 7. Buster Posey, who did not play last year due to concerns about COVID, which is obviously very warranted. You know, he's looked great. He looks like he hasn't missed a beat. You know, he's, he hit two home runs. He had he has four now on the year. You know, and if he could return back to his early 2010s form, they could be really dangerous because he was a really good player. And Evan Longoria, he's had a good start. He's hitting 291. Mike Yastrzemski's a really solid player. I really like him a lot. And, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with the start that the Giants have gotten off to. Yeah, I, I like the San Francisco Giants. I think that it, they look like the team that won three World Series championships back uh, a couple of years ago, offensively, they look very good. Buster Posey looks right back in his old self. Uh, you know, the bats come alive. He's playing some great defense. I think their pitching staff is a little bit is, is pretty good. Uh, you know, Alex Woods, great. Uh, Kevin Gossman, the former Baltimore Orioles, played well. Um, Yarlin Garcia has pitched very well. Um, but you're right. This offense is going to be fun. And, and let's go back to the Dodgers and the Padres because they're going to play 
16 more times let in this season. The the Padres can be great. The problem is their bullpen is not good enough to hold down the fort, in my opinion, because we saw that first game against the Dodgers. It goes to extras, and the Padres completely emptied the bullpen. It just wasn't enough. And the bullpen then, you know, coughed up a late run in the ninth inning uh, after you Darvish pitched seven great innings, only allowing one run. And then they the bullpen finally held down the fort in one game and allowed the Dodgers to get – or, excuse me, allowed the Padres to get the big win. But their bullpen, I don't think, is good enough for them to be challenging in this division. Their offense can be great, but and their starting pitching can be good, but this bullpen uh, has some things to work out for. I'm ready to cement this team as contenders in this division. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the Padres really need to figure out their pitching. You know, obviously, their starting pitching is dynamic. You know, you got Darvish, Blake Snell. Denelson Lamette is making his season debut tonight. Chris Paddock was decent, or he's pitched pretty well. Um, but the bullpen, you know, obviously they lost two of their main pieces in Kirby Yates and Trevor Rosenthal, and they need guys to step up, you know, um, obviously against teams like the Dodgers, whose bullpen has actually looked better than I thought. Um, Kenley Jansen has really returned to form. He was throwing 97 yesterday with a wicked cutter. Um, yeah, the Padres really need to step their relief pitching core up or else they're going to have to make a move at the deadline uh, if they're going to want to compete with the Dodgers, especially if it comes playoff time. So let's get into speed, so a couple quick speed round questions to wrap up baseball. So who do you think the leading MVP candidate in both leagues are right now? Wow. Um, well, to start, I guess, in the American League, I would say J.D. Martinez, not because I'm biased, but he just he, he's been the best player on the field, I think, for the Red Sox. Um, you know, six home runs currently on the season. Um, he's played some great offense. Um, and then I guess for the NL, I, part of me says Christian Yelich, but if you look and say what Nick Castellanos has done, I, I think Nick Castellanos right now is the MVP of the of this NL Central, even or NL in the general, but uh, even though he's suspended. Okay, so for the American League, I have a hot take. I'm okay. going to be, t- I'm picking an angel right now as the MVP, but it's not Mike Trout. Okay. It's Shohei Otani. He's uh, hitting yeah, that's a good over one. 300 with four home runs, 12 RBIs. And on the mound, he's struck out 14 batters across eight and two thirds innings with a 1.04 ERA. You know, what he can do is just so unbelievable. And he can run too. He's really fast. I think he had a sprint speed on one play over like 29 feet per second. Yeah, you know, watch he's out the for definition this. of a five-tool player. Yeah, watch out for this um, Angels team. Watch still out. A contender in this West. Yeah, they've got some significant talent on that team. And then for the National League, I'm going to go with Mookie Betts. You know, mm. I think he's looked so good. And he had that incredible diving play over the weekend against the um, Padres to win a game. You know, obviously that's painful as a Red Sox fan because he traded him away. <laughs> Okay. Obviously, before last year, um, you know, Verdugo's been good, but Mookie yeah. Betts has just been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, two more questions. What team has surprised you the most so far through the start in a good way? Uh, I would say Kansas City. You know, I mentioned I brought up the Royals when we started talking about the divisions, um, the, the way their bats have come alive. And if they could just get the, the pitching to go along with it, they're going to be a good team. But uh, you know, Salvador Perez is a great player. Andrew Benintendi has been terrific. Uh, Whit Merrifield's always great. Um, and their, their pitching can be good, but other times it looks like it, it looks like it's all over the place. If they get their starting pitching to go along with this offense, I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. Yep. Um, so for me, I'm going to go with the San Francisco Giants. I talked about them before. Um, the thing that's been the big surprise for me is their pitching. You know, Kevin Gosman's pitching to a 2.4 ERA. Johnny Cueto, 1.8. They picked up Descalfani from the Reds, a 1.06 ERA. And Aaron Sanchez, a 2.45. You know, they've looked really solid. Jake McGee's been a good pickup out of the bullpen. So has Alvarez. I'm really impressed with the way the Giants have looked. And they've been a big surprise. Biggest disappointing team in the league. And I'll start. And obviously, I'm going to go with the Yankees. Um, You know, their offense just hasn't been great, but... I think with the stretch of games coming up, I'm hoping they can pick it up. Who's your most disappointing team? Well, I would say Minnesota, but they're on the COVID list at this point. I guess 
the biggest disappointment for me, I think, is San Diego because we all expected them to be contenders in the NL West. And as I brought up before, their bullpen has not held up their end of the bargain. In order to be great, you have to have good starting pitching. You have to have, you have to have a good bullpen. And you have to have a great offense. And the Padres have, have one of those have two of those things. But until their bullpen gets right, they're not a contender in this division. So I would say the Padres is, as the biggest disappointment of the of the season so far. I like that. Yeah, the Padres have definitely, I mean, a 10 or 9 start, you know, they really got to pick it up if they want to keep pace with the Dodgers and even the Giants. So moving on to the NBA. Um, so we'll start by talking about the East. You know, the Sixers sit atop a half game of, over the Nets. But one team I want to talk about that's really I'm a little concerned about or the way they've been playing is the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, they've lost two straight games. They obviously a heartbreaking loss in overtime to the Suns. And then they lost by 13 at home to the Memphis Grizzlies. And they also had losses sprinkled in there against the Hornets and the Mavericks. They lost by 15. You know, what's going on with the Milwaukee Bucks? I think they stumbled on the Celtics uh, formula for bad defense. I think that's the way that uh, Milwaukee's played. But you come off of three road games – and then you come home and it's obviously it's a trap game because Memphis is underrated. They're the eighth best team in the Western conference. They can beat some very good teams and the bucks just weren't ready. Their defense has been terrible, but then to play against Phoenix and give up 128, I know Phoenix is good, but a game that you had, you dominated the third quarter and then you still let Phoenix hang around and, and force overtime. And it came down to the last uh, foul of the game that ended up being the deciding factor. So I'm concerned about the Bucs. I don't think their defense is great. I know their offenses can put up a ton of points, but this is pivotal. They have two games coming up at, at, at home against Philadelphia, and they need to win two of those, both of those games in order to make a serious playoff run. So, you know, the Bucks defense has to turn it around because I don't think they're that they're good enough to make a, a long playoff run. If they play a team like the Nets or the Sixers or, you know, even the Net, uh, not the Nets, even the Knicks at this point. Yeah, no, the Bucks have really been concerning, um, you know, over the stretch of the last 10 games. But I do think they have the talent to pick it up, and I ultimately think they will. You know, just tough blip. But you mentioned the New York Knicks, and, oh, man, it has been so good to be a Knicks fan. You know, we've won seven straight games, a big win last night over the Charlotte Hornets. And then we beat the Pelicans in overtime in a crazy game where Bullock hit a game-tying three. And Julius Randle has just been unbelievable. You know, I think you've got to really consider him as an MVP candidate. You know, he's averaging almost 24 a game, almost 10.5 rebounds and six assists. But over the span of last week, I think he was averaging 38 points a game or something like that for a week stretch you know the Knicks have really been impressive and they have a big game coming up tonight for the four seed against the Atlanta Hawks at home you know I think that is going to be a pivotal game for both teams um but I've really been impressed with the way the Knicks have looked what are your what's your take on the Knicks right now David my take is you should have listened to me last week when I said the Knicks were could be the number four seed because of the way that they can play defense. Um, now their offense is coming around. You mentioned Julius Randle being an MVP candidate. If they get the number four spot, I would seriously throw him in contentions because he's been a star. And the, I mentioned the Knicks having a soft schedule. And I said, if they could win those two road games against the Pelicans and the Mavericks, they could go five and one on their current homestand. And, and you know what? I, you know, I, I wouldn't make myself a good fortune teller, but I think I'm, I'm pretty solid where I'm, where I stand right now. They've won seven in a row. Their defense is still great. Their offense, again, is clicking. Julius Randle, an MVP candidate. Um, I would also throw um, some of the other Knicks players like R.J. Barrett, who had 24 points against Charlotte. Uh, mm -hmm. Derrick Rose has been great. Reggie Bullock had a good game. Um, but, boy, it is really hard to not look at this team and say Julius Randle shouldn't be in the MVP conversation. Well, he should be because the way that this team is playing and the way that he's gotten this team up to speed – the Knicks are the Knicks are a dangerous team at this point. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, they play very hard-nosed defense. I still think they're first in the league in points per game allowed. 
And their offense is starting to click a little bit. You know, they've been shooting the three ball a lot better. R.J. Barrett shooting 39%, which is a massive improvement for him. And, yeah, I'm really excited for tonight's game against the Hawks because whoever wins, they're going to be sitting in position as the four seed. So, and there's not much time left in the year. So this is a probably the biggest game of the year for both the Knicks and the Hawks, who both sit at 32 wins. So let's transition to the team that sits right behind them and your favorite team, the Boston Celtics. What's what's our thoughts on them right now, David? Well, I'm going to look at that game against the Bulls and say one of two things were the reason that they lost. One is they were really they were really banged up. You know, there was no Kemba. Um, obviously, no Evan Fournier. He's on the COVID list, um, and they were without a lot of other starters on this team. But also, you still have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, <clears throat> and Jason Tatum. excuse me, had a uh, triple-double against the Bulls, and they still lost the game. I mean, I don't know what what to make of the Celtics right now. I mean, obviously their defense is terrible, but you could make the case that it's because injuries. But my case is I don't think that they are a good team. I think that they have some solid solid players. and But everybody expected when you come off that big win against Golden State, you just finished off a really good Western road trip you're playing a team like the bulls that really isn't really playing for much. They're really just trying to stay alive in the playoff chase. And you come up completely flat. Like Zach Levine was out in this game. Like the Celtics should have won this game at least by five points. And instead Chicago just decimated them in the third quarter and the Celtics just couldn't recover. And when you have guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you're supposed to win those type of games. And it's a concern for the Celtics. And now they have to play, you know, Phoenix tomorrow night. And what is going to be a, a huge matchup for this team if they're going to get uh, back in that race for the number four spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the, the box score of, of the game against the Bulls, and one thing that sticks out to me is, yeah, Jason Tatum did have a triple-double, but he shot three for 17 from the field. You know, I think he needs to do better there, and he's he's been great this year. You know, I think it was probably just one tough performance from the field. Um, Jalen Brown, though, he had a really solid game. He went 10 for 15 with 23 points. Yeah, I think the Celtics are going to be just fine. And obviously, you know, they definitely want to avoid having to play in that play-in series. You know, the the um, 7 through 10 seeds all are going to be playing in a, like a, basically the wild card game in baseball, but I think it's best of three to get into the playoffs. So I think I think it's important that the, six, that the Celtics try and hold down that six spot and even maybe try and move up to the five or the four. Um which I definitely think they can do because after these next two games against the Suns and the Nets, they have a couple of pretty winnable games against the Thunder and the Hornets. So moving on to the West, the Utah Jazz are sitting in first place just a game and a half over the Suns, who have won eight of their last ten. Um, and I want to talk about the Suns for a minute. You know, they had a really nice win over the Bucks in overtime, you know, a I think Devin Booker made two late free throws to clinch that one. Um, But they had a rough loss the game before that against the Spurs. But before that, they, they blew out. They put up 122 on the Kings. They won by 20 over the heat. Um, Yeah. What what are your thoughts right now on the Suns? Well, to answer the first question, that 85 point clunker against San Antonio, that was the first time the Suns have been held under a hundred points in any game since January 27th when they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I'm not panicking about the Phoenix Suns. I think that their defense is, uh, you know, all out of whack. But this offense is just so difficult to, to stop because you plug, plug in a guy like Devin Booker who can go off at any time. He played he played almost the entire game against the Bucks and had 24 points. I mean, he had a great game. Chris Paul has been great. He was a good addition. DeAndre Aiden, 20 points. Mikal Bridges at 21 uh, they embrace the depth, um, and I think defensively they, they're defensively challenged. But this is a team, I think, that can put up a ton of points on you. And what a schedule they have coming up because it's a, this Eastern road trip doesn't get any easier with a trip to Philly tonight, the Celtics tomorrow, and then add Brooklyn over the weekend, and then they go, to, they go play the Knicks on the road. And then how big is that game going to be on April 30th at home against Utah? with potentially the number one seed in the West on the line. I mean, if they could just 
be okay on defense. They don't have to be great. If they can be okay and this offense can keep scoring, they're going to be a really tough team to stop in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And I also, for that one speed, I wouldn't discount the Clippers who have won nine of their last 10 games. You know, I think they've looked really good. They had a win over the Blazers on Tuesday, which was last night. Then they also beat the Timberwolves by 19. And they also then they had a tough loss against the Sixers, and they were barely able to beat the Pistons. But I think the Clippers are definitely a team that could push that one spot as well if they play well. But a team that I'm really concerned about, David, right now that has really struggled are the Portland Trailblazers. They've only won three of their last ten games. And, you know, they had a tough loss last night. They lost two straight. They lost by one to the Clippers, and they lost to – on the road against the Hornets. Then they barely beat the Spurs by one point. Then they lost to the Celtics. They lost by nine to the Heat. Um, you know, what's going on with Portland? Well, it's amazing what this team is without Damian Lillard. I mean, you would expect guys like C.J. McCollum, Kamalo Anthony, and Norman Powell to step up like they did against the, the Clippers last night. But I don't know. Damian Lillard is just a whole other, it's just a whole other person when he plays for the Portland Trailblazers and with him out of the lineup, it's been difficult. I mean, it, they, they look like the Lakers without LeBron on this, don't they? I mean, to let the Lakers hang around and, and dominate the second half um, when it looked like the Blazers had this game and, you know, they were in control of it for most of the first half, you know, without Damian Lillard, this is not a very good team. They're defensively challenged. Um, you know, their offense hasn't been able to put up a bunch of big numbers, and um, for them to lose last night in a game that they really had to get back on track in, they couldn't. So they need to get Damian Lillard back because he, he brings a whole level of offense uh, to this team. I agree. I think I've hiked up Damian Lillard all year. I think he's one of the best players in the league that nobody talks about. Um, you know, and missing him has <clears throat> definitely impacted them. And it's showing in the results. And, that's exactly why I think Lillard should be considered as an MVP candidate because he's so important to that team, and they need him to come back. You know, they got a game coming up tonight against the Denver Nuggets, who have played well. I think that could be a good game. Then they got a couple coming up against the Grizzlies, which are going to be good games as well. Um, but, yeah, um, so the next team, that final team I want to talk about before we get into speed round in the West are the Los Angeles Lakers, and they've – They've split their last 10 games. They've gone 5-5. Five and five. They had a rough loss last or on Monday to Utah where they lost by 14. Um, but, they, but the game before, they beat Utah. You know, one thing that I can't just get my finger around this Lakers team is the inconsistency. You know, they'll come out. They'll blow out a team like the Brooklyn Nets on the road by 25 points. Then two days later, they'll lose by 15 to the New York Knicks. And then – They'll, they'll lose to the Celtics. They had that loss to the Celtics by seven. But then they went out against the Lakers and against the Jazz, and they beat them in overtime. You know, what? I don't, what is this going on with the Lakers? You know, I don't know because he, that was going to be my point is that they're inconsistent. I just don't think that, again, they're a team that's dealing with injuries as best they possibly can. And, Sometimes the bench is good and sometimes it's not, you know, you're not always going to beat everybody with a injury riddled team, but it was critical, critical for them to beat a team like Utah that um, last weekend, because I think that if they don't win that game, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs at this point. And it's critical for them to stay in the number five spot because you don't want to play Utah Phoenix or even the LA Clippers in the first round, the way that the trailblazers are spiraling out of control um, you know, Dallas has looked a little inconsistent. The Grizzlies have been playing much better, but it's pivotal for them to stay in that number five spot, despite their inconsistency. If they can just tread water and stay, you know, win one, lose another at the way that this Portland team is out of control, then they're going to be okay. I would rather play, you know, if I was the Los Angeles Lakers, I would be okay playing against Denver in the first round, as opposed to playing the Clippers, the Suns or the Jazz in the first round of the playoffs. So if they could just keep treading water and stay, you know, one and one the next couple of weeks, they're going to be okay. I agree. And, you know, I would say, if anything, an optimistic look for Lakers fans is 
they've been getting really good performances out of some of these guys like Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, you know, Drummond has been solid. Caldwell Pope, Ben McElmore has been a good pickup. So you also add off the bench. And once they get LeBron and Davis back with all of these role players that they've got, they could be really dangerous um, because obviously LeBron and Davis are two of the top players in the league. So moving on to speed round, out of the four teams in the East, the seven through 10 seeds, you got Miami, Charlotte, Indiana, and Chicago. Who do you think would be the most dangerous in that play-in series? Ooh. Um, I would say Miami. I think once they get – they're another team like the Lakers that's banged up. I think when they get a lot of their starters back – we saw them beat Brooklyn. So, I mean, if they could beat – I mean, if they could beat the Brooklyn Nets and – and but I think they're also a little inconsistent as far as defense and offensively because they could put up 100 points and beat Brooklyn and then lay a goose egg and put up 86 points against the Suns. So – if the Suns can get, if, sorry, if the Heat can get healthy, I think that they're going to be the, the most dangerous team in, in out of those four in the playoffs. I agree um, with the Heat, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just to make it fun. I'm going to pick another team, and I'm going to talk about the Charlotte Hornets, who I think need to get a little bit of attention because they're getting Lamelo Ball back next week, and mm. that backcourt of Rozier, Devontae Graham, and Lamelo Ball could be really dangerous. If they go off in the playoff, especially in a play-in series, you know, it's only three games. If you could get a hot stretch out of a couple of those guys and P.J. Washington, he had 27 points last night against the Knicks. Now, he looked lethal shooting the basketball. I think they're a team that you also have to watch out for also in that out of those four current play-in teams right now. So one more speed question for the East. Out of the Wizards and the Raptors, do you think – which of those two teams do you think is most likely to push one of those playoff or for a playoff spot? If I was a, a team like Philadelphia, Brooklyn, or Milwaukee, I would not want to see the Washington Wizards on my doorstep because the Wizards can play any team as good as they possibly can. Um, they had a, a, a couple of good wins against Utah. They've beaten Golden State. Um, they've been able to beat the Celtics a couple times. They've hung tough against the Knicks and the Bucs and the Sixers, they can be a dangerous team if they get in that play-in series. And, you know, speaking of those four, you want to talk a team out of the playoffs that you wouldn't want to face, I would say Washington because they could be a really scary team with uh, Wall playing about as, uh, as good as anybody right now, along with Russell Westbrook. So I would say Washington. Yeah, no, um, the I completely agree with you. The Wizards have looked great and – you know, Bradley Beal, obviously, he's the top scorer in the league, but Russell Westbrook has really stepped up his game. You know, they got Davis Bertans as well, and they've won five straight games in seven of their last ten, so watch out for them. They're really um, – they're right at the door for that ten spot. They're tied with the Bulls, and I actually think I would take the Bulls right now – or I would take the Wizards over the Bulls right now, and I definitely think they could sneak into one of those spots. So moving on, next – out of the four teams who are currently slated for a play-in se- play series in the West, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, and the Spurs, which team would you not want to play right now? Wow, that's tough because everybody's been playing well. Um, I would say the Warriors because Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry is about as, as good as he was back in 2016 when he was one of the MVP candidates and I think he won it. I wasn't sure. I, I never watched basketball in 2016. So, but yeah, I think the Warriors are a dangerous team. I think that they could score a lot of points. Steph Curry can go off. They've won five of the last six games. They should have been able to beat the Celtics, but it just, you know, it just didn't happen because Jason Tatum was outstanding, but they've beaten the Bucks. They've been able to beat Philadelphia. Um, I think that they would be a tough out to anybody in the West and they play, a lot of games at home down the stretch. So they've got a very comfortable home schedule and um, not really daunting road schedule. So the Warriors could sneak their way in and they can make a lot of noise in the West. Yeah. You know what Steph Curry is doing right now is unbelievable. You know, he, I think over the last week, he's averaged like over 40 points a game. You know, he's just on one of those runs where he just can't miss you know, and he knows it's going in when he shoots it. He turns around and still goes in, and he's pulling up from six feet behind the arc. Um, I, out of those teams, I agree with you. I think it's the Warriors, you know, they've played well. I think you could also make an argument for Dallas. 
with Luka Doncic and Porzingis. Um, they've looked pretty good. So my last last speed round question, out of the West, which team do you think is going to come out of it and make it to the chip? Uh, Phoenix. I mean, that's a no doubter. Phoenix can, you know, play great offense. And, you know, if, if, if they run away, if they beat a team in a, in a quarter soundly, I mean, they're going to be very tough. But I would also say Utah because – once they get Donovan Mitchell back, they're going to be a really tough team down the stretch. So I, I would say Phoenix and Utah. I'm going to drop a hot take, and I'm going to go with the Lakers. Okay. I think once they get LeBron and Anthony Davis back, I think they definitely have a shot to get through the West. And, you know, especially with the way that their role players have been playing, like I discussed earlier. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what goes down. Some big games, especially that Knicks-Hawks game tonight for the mm-hmm. four spot in the East. So we'll move on and let's talk about the NHL. And, you know, um, last we'll start with talking about the central David, your Panthers are currently tied with the Carolina hurricanes at 65 points. Hurricanes had a big win last night over the lightning and they've taken three out of four points in that over the last two games against them. And the Lightning sit at 62 points. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little concerned about the Lightning. You know, um, obviously they lost 4-1 to one last night. And then they really didn't look good against the Panthers in a 5-3 loss. Then they had a 7-2 loss against Nashville. You know, they've been, they've been inconsistent. You know, they've been winning a game, losing a game, winning a game, losing a game. You know, I'm concerned about them, especially because I think – the Panthers have looked good. David, you want to talk a little bit about how the Panthers have looked? Well, I'm going to start with Tampa Bay because I've been saying for days that this Lightning team is not as good as most people think. And I saw it against the Panthers in both games, and I'll get into the Panthers in a second. But the Pan- the Lightning are not playing with that level of urgency that won them the, the Stanley Cup last year. Um, they're not you know, flying around on, on offense. They're sitting back on defense, they keep turning the puck over and it, it leads to good scoring opportunities for opponents. And Andre Vasilevsky is going to have to make 50 saves a game if they, if it keeps going like this. But the fact is Tampa Bay is, is like the pressure should be on them. And I think you're starting to see fatigue as what John Cooper said last night after they lost to Carolina, there's fatigue. You know, the lightning are, they've gone through a long stretch of games against tough teams like Nashville and Carolina and the Panthers, um, you know, the Bolts, the Bolts are in trouble, you know, and with Nashville right behind them in the central, they got to wake up because Nashville can somehow still make it in. It's a small window, but don't discount Nashville. But right now, Tampa is not playing well. And I'll talk about the Panthers. Um, I think it was a good win against Columbus last night. The, the nine one, one line as uh, Steve Goldstein pointed out, yesterday in that in that win against Columbus had a big game Sam Bennett has been a star he has been outstanding three goals in his first two games at home um Jonathan Huberto is playing much better Anthony Duclair uh had a great game uh was it Spencer Knight the rookie from Boston College got his first win um and this this Panthers team they they used those acquisitions at the deadline to get some depth and that depth is paying dividends and once they get everybody healthy they're going to be a really tough out in the playoffs, but it comes down to they got to win both games against Carolina if they're going to cement themselves as legitimate Stanley Cup contenders down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. I think Carolina, you know, they've had such a great year, and they actually have two games in hand against the Panthers, and they still both sit at 30 wins and 65 points each. But I really love the pickup of Sam Bennett. You know, he, he had that big game last night. And then obviously the pickups of over the offseason, guys like Hornquist, you know, I've liked how he's looked. And obviously Barkov and Huberto are great. And the Panthers are, you know, they've they haven't skipped a beat with Ekblad's injury. You know, they've still looked really good. They've won six out of their last ten games and seven out of the last ten they've picked up points. They're kind of like the Denver Nuggets in basketball who they lost Jamal Murray and they're still playing really well. You mm. know, it's like they haven't skipped a beat. You know, I'm really impressed with the Panthers. One team I wouldn't discount to wrap up the Central are the Dallas Stars. You know, they sit just mm-hmm. one point behind Nashville, and they have two games in hand on them. 
They picked up points in eight of their last ten games at a six six at a six two and two record. They've won four straight games. I think you definitely have to watch out for them as well, especially if you're Tampa, um, who hasn't been playing well recently. So moving on to the East, and you know it's very top heavy right now. You got three teams sitting at twenty nine wins: the Capitals, the Islanders, and the Penguins. Um, and the Islanders had a big win last night over the Rangers where they just pummeled them 6-1. to one. And talk about my Rangers, I think that just about does it for them, you know, especially with the way the Bruins have been playing. You know, now they fall to six points out of it. But I will say as a Rangers fan, I'm still very impressed with how the season has gone. You know, they've got a lot of young guys, and I think they played in one of the toughest divisions in the league. Now, obviously, you got two teams, Jersey and Buffalo, on the bottom who are terrible. But the Rangers had to play a lot of games against the Capitals, the Penguins, um, you know, the Flyers. You know, they've underperformed, but they're still they still have talent, obviously. Um, and guys like Lafreniere have been playing better. Adam Fox is having a Norris Trophy type season. You know, he's got over forty points. Panarin's one of the league point leaders, and he's missed like twelve games. And Zabanejad has stepped up, and obviously Igor Shesterkin has been. Th- phenomenal on that I think the Rangers are going to be a dangerous team for years to come and you know I'm in I'm impressed with how they've looked yeah I I would agree with that I think the the Rangers I think their time ran out um as far as the Cinderella story has gone I think the end of the line was yesterday when they lost a clunker to the Islanders um their schedule is just unfavorable um even though they have to play Philly and Buffalo they've got to play the Islanders again they got to play Washington and then the Bruins, and even if they sweep the Bruins those two games, the Bruins have to play two more games after that against the Islanders and the and the Capitals. And one thing about the Bruins, if they get into the playoffs, and they probably will because the, the Rangers are just about out of gas, no one's going to want to play them because uh, Jeremy Swayman, the rookie from Maine, came up and he's played outstanding. Taylor Hall has made a huge impact on this offense, and their their scoring depth has been better. Since they lost to the Capitals, they eight to one. They've won five straight games, and to sweep the Islanders, then to pay back the Caps with a big win at home, and a very favorable schedule with uh, Buffalo coming up for four of the next uh, six meetings. They have to play two at New Jersey. I wouldn't want to play the Bruins, and if if they can keep rolling like they are, they're four points back of first. And if they get that number one spot, everybody in the Eastern Conference or Eastern Division, I guess now it is, is going to regret it because the Bruins are playing about as hot as anybody in the NHL right now. You know, the Bruins have just been outstanding. And, you know, their goaltending depth has really impressed me. You know, obviously Tuca and Halak came into the season as the guys. But Swayman has been unreal. He's won four of his four or five games, and he's got a shutout in there. Um He's got a 938 save percentage. You know, he's been unbelievable. But the pickup of Taylor Hall has been great. And low-key, Curtis Lazar hasn't been bad either. You know, he's been a good – he was kind of considered as a guy that was, like, thrown into that deal, I guess you could say. But he's done a good job. You know, that was a real, that was a steal for the Bruins, that trade. And I'm excited to see how they look in the playoffs. I do think that they're going to make it. Um, and, yeah, they're definitely a team I wouldn't want to play. They've played – Teams like the Islanders and the Capitals really tough, especially recently. And yeah, they're a team to watch out for. So moving on to the West, the Vegas Golden Knights have won seven straight games, and they've got a game coming up tonight against the dead San Jose Sharks, who have lost six straight. And so I'm expecting them to win again tonight and move up to 68 points. But Colorado, you know, they've won nine out of their last 10 games in four straight. You know, they've been good, too. And Minnesota's picked up points in eight of their last ten games. So you got three teams who are just really looking dominant. And then the bottom of the pack, you got some good competition with the Coyotes and the Blues. But, David, what's your main takeaway right now out of the West? Uh, that Vegas can be the first team to clinch a playoff spot. That's what the NHL PR uh, tweeted out earlier today. If they beat the Sharks there or get one point against the Sharks, they're in the playoffs and they come in pretty dangerous. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about 
It's time to panic in Vegas. They're not that good anymore. They just lost two games to Minnesota. And then they pummeled the St. Louis Blues and just have gone on a tear since then. Um, defensively, they look great. Offensively, Max Patch is having a fantastic stretch of games. Uh, William Carlson's played well. Um, and their schedule has been favorable. They've still got to play Colorado a couple more times. The Avs are on the COVID protocol list for the time being. Um, but the takeaway is that Vegas and Colorado are the two uh, – you know, the, the two Goliaths in that division, but Arizona is still a player, you know, they can, they've been on and off. And if they can just keep staying ahead of the blues, even though the blues have more games in hand over them, then, um, the, then the Coyotes could be that push for the playoffs, but it, it's hard to not say that they're going to make it when the blues have three games in hand over them. So it's, it's going to be a tight one in the West uh, when everything comes down to the wire. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to really come down to the last couple games this year in that division for that fourth spot. Um, I'm, I'm actually interested to see tonight how the Coyotes play at home against the Minnesota Wild. You know, I think that's a good test for them, especially going into this stretch where they need to win games if they're going to get that spot. And, yeah, I definitely think the Sharks and Knights game is the watch because obviously the Knights can clinch a playoff spot. Um, and I think the Knights are just going to come out and pummel the Sharks and get that spot, you know. The Knights are actually – they're one of my favorite teams of the West, so I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's some good games tonight. We got the Predators and Blackhawks as a game. You know, obviously the Blackhawks are trying to fight for that spot. Yeah, that's a big game in the Central. Um, mm -hmm. And then you also have the Canadians and the Oilers, and the Canadians have to win. So, well, yeah, we'll transition on and talk a little bit about the the North Division, you know, where the Leafs are sitting on top. But the Leafs have really – really concerned me. They've lost five straight games. You know, they lost, they gave up six goals last night against the Canucks. They lost an overtime to the Canucks, 5-2 clunker against the Winnipeg Jets, overtime loss against the Flames, and then they lost 4-2 against the Canadians, and then they barely beat the Senators. They won 6-5, and yeah, they and then another one-goal game win before that. You know, what's going on with Toronto, David? Well, on a scale of one to 10 and how worried I am about this team, I'm up to an 11 because they trade for goaltending depth with Theo Riddich from Calgary. And that hasn't paid off and they can't score. They played the, the Vancouver Canucks who hadn't played a game in over two weeks and laid two clunkers against the Vancouver Canucks. A, a team as talented as the Toronto Maple Leafs can't be losing two games to a team that hasn't played in almost a month. Uh, in the Vancouver Canucks. So, yeah, I'm extremely worried about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, one part is their goaltending has been terrible. Jack Campbell has looked inconsistent. Theo Riddich with a massive uh, disappointment last night. And, you know, Frederick Anderson's been on and off too. But offensively, they've only scored, you know, they scored three goals for the first time in in four games last night. I mean, their offense is really concerning at this point, and they really need to win the next two games against Winnipeg to get um, some kind of separation in the in the North. But, yeah, I'm extremely worried because you got Edmonton, who can score a ton of goals on you with that big line. you got Winnipeg, who's played some pretty good defense. It, it's concerning to say that the Toronto Maple Leafs might not be as dominant as we think they are over the last couple of games. Yeah, and- yeah, the Leafs have really struggled, and, you know, it's come down to inconsistent production, but their goaltending really concerns me looking at it. You know, their goaltender stats, none of them are really top-of-the-league tier impressive, especially for a team that's leading the division. You'd expect them to have top-tier goaltending. They don't, and they've had inconsistent defense. They've had defensive issues recently. And, you know, they're a team that um, – they're one of those top teams that I'm a little concerned about, especially with the way they've been playing. Um, they really have to be – they might be one of those teams that's on upset alert in the playoffs, I think, if they continue to play like this. Um, and then, obviously, looking at the rest of the teams in the north, um, Winnipeg and Edmonton, you know, they've both been playing well. Uh, Winnipeg especially, you know, they've actually surpassed Edmonton for that two spot, they sit at 57 points. They've picked up points in seven of their last 10 games. You know, they had a tough loss on Saturday against Edmonton. They lost three, nothing, but they beat down the Leafs five, two, they beat the senators 
They shut out Montreal. They actually took two in a row against them or last week. Um, what do you think about Winnipeg? You know, who do you think actually out of them and Edmonton, which team – or actually now, just what do you think about Winnipeg? I like the Jets. I think that they're they're a good defensive team. I think they've got some good backbone and goaltender with Brassard and Hellebuck uh, spearheading that group. Obviously a disappointment on Saturday when they got shut out by the Oilers, but that's because the Oilers are a pretty good team. But, you know, the Jets have looked to me they, – they've been – a little up and down, you know, their offense can be great one day and then the next, it, you know, just lays a goose egg. But uh, this is a big stretch of games coming up for them. They got to play the, the Leafs at home. They got two more with Edmonton. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what happens at this point because they, they could still be a pretty tough out in the North Division, especially if the Leafs continue to fall off this cliff that they're on right now. Yeah, no, Winnipeg has definitely really looked good. And actually – the question I was going to ask before is, and I guess we'll just get a quick speed round question in now, is out of Winnipeg and Edmonton, which team do you think is most likely to get that two spot? I'm going to say Edmonton just because I think they've got a favorite, very favorable schedule with a lot of games against Vancouver and Montreal coming up. And then they've got two at home against Calgary. Um, and I just believe that their offense is more consistent than Winnipeg's, even though the Jets do have a pretty good defense. Their offense has been a little inconsistent. The Oilers just have that big line of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, they've got some good defense. The goaltending's been great. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm a believer in the Edmonton Oilers right now, so. I like that, yeah. Um, I agree. Edmonton has looked um, pretty good. They've gotten points in eight of their last ten games. You know, they had a stretch of games where they were struggling a little bit, but they're, I think they're back on track, and I actually think – I really hope we get a series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That would be awesome to watch in the playoffs, yeah. you know, two of the top offenses. They're two of the top – some of some really star players. So, transitioning, a couple quick speed round questions to wrap this up. Um, so, a question I actually saw on Twitter earlier that I saw you responded to is, what of the four – four seeds do you think is the most dangerous and you said Boston you want to elaborate on that a little bit absolutely I think the Bruins are the most dangerous team in in, in out of all those four I mean Nashville has been a little bit up and down but um they've been really held down by their goaltending with Yusei Saros but they haven't shown that they can beat much of the great teams except that big one against Tampa the Bruins I think are the best team out of those four because of the way that they can play I, you know, I mentioned how big of an impact Taylor Hall's been having on this team. The depth scoring, Jeremy Swayman, the experiments paid off. I think he could be a legitimate starter in Boston, the way that he plays. And the way that their schedule's set up, they have to play the, the Sabres four times. They have to go on the road to play the Devils twice. They got two more with the Rangers, who I think have run out of gas. And um, they've taken, you know, after losing that game against the Capitals, like everybody in Boston thought the sky was falling and, um, since then, they were able to sweep the Islanders and beat the Capitals. I mean, for them to win those big games, that gives me full confidence in this team to carry it forward. And they've still got a shot to get that number one spot in the Eastern Eastern Division. Yeah, I like that. Um, I also – I definitely agree with the Bruins as out of those four teams. They're definitely the team I wouldn't want to see, you know, especially after – like we talked about before, the pickups of Paul – and Lazar and even Mike Riley on defense is a solid move. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say if Dallas can push Nashville and get that four spot, I think they could be dangerous too. They've gotten good performances out of, or they've had some guys step up like Robertson and um, Hintz and Pavelski's having a great year. Jamie Benn and Gary Onov are solid. Then defensively Klingberg and Heiskanen. I think they're a team to watch out for. And with Kadobin in that, they could definitely be a threat if they were able to sneak in and get one of those four spots. Yeah, so, definitely. Sorry, I was going to talk about, a little bit about Dallas, but um, mm -hmm. I just think that um, if Dallas gets in, they could be probably the one team that could beat uh, Carolina or Tampa Bay if, if one of those two teams gets to the top spot because they could play good defense and they've got some good goaltending. And they could still get Tyler Sagan back potentially for the playoffs. So Dallas, if they get into the playoffs, has probably a better chance to beat them than Nashville. 
um, and pull off another first round upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dallas is definitely a team to watch, especially since they have two games in hand over Nashville and they sit just a point behind them. So next, out of Carolina and Florida, which team do you have the most confidence in right now to get that number one spot in the Central? Carolina, because the Panthers can't beat them at this point. At this point in the season, the the Panthers are uh, one of the one, three, and two, I think, against Carolina. Um, But the the Panthers, I I feel more confident about them now than I did a couple of weeks ago because they were so beat up, and then they go to the deadline and make all all these moves, and they're paying off. but Carolina is just too good. And, and it, I will say this, if the Panthers beat them in this two game series coming up, then I will have full confidence in them right now. I trust Carolina to win those two games. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with Carolina as well. I just think they're so explosive offensively, you know, obviously Sebechnikov, Aho, um, and defensively, they've got some solid players. I saw Brady Shea had a, had a nice game winning goal the other day. Um, yeah, I definitely think, especially with two games in hand on Florida and the way that they've played head to head against them, I would go with Carolina as well. So final speed round question, um, out of the teams in the West who are on the outside looking in, you got St. Louis, you got San Jose. Do you think either of those teams can snag that four spot away from the Coyotes? I would say the Blues because they've got more games in hand, but it's it's tough because their defense has been their backbone and they haven't played as consistent as I thought they've been. And they've only, they you know, they've lost, um, I believe, nine of their last 12 games. So um, I, I, I still trust St. Louis because of more games in hand, but I wouldn't discount the Sharks. But at this point, I think they're all done as well. So I don't know. Confidence-wise, I would say the Blues. Yeah, out of those two teams, I agree. I think St. Louis has the best shot, um, you know, but they haven't played well either. They've only won three out of their last ten. But, you know, I, I actually I think Arizona is going to hold on to that spot. But mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be interesting as we wind down to the last few weeks of the season. So with that, that is going to end episode 24 of the Marvel Sports Podcast. Alongside David Marr, I'm Andrew Spazano, and we'll see you all next week.